The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Mark chapter 4, and let's look at verse number 35. In the same day, when the even was come, Jesus had just got done speaking many parables. He was preaching to the crowds, and the Bible says, The same day when even was come, early after late afternoon, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And so there's other people, kind of maybe they're passenger ships, and they're following him, maybe want to go with him. He sent the multitudes away, but people always wanted to follow Jesus. And I want to remind you where they were going. Jesus had just left preaching, and he had on his mind a man and the man was a Gadaran man. He was a, a maniac, we call him, of Gadara. He was going over to the other side to minister to a man who was full of the devil, literally. The Bible says he had demons in him, a legion of de- uh, devils. And he was going to the other side for that man specifically. Now, Jesus had him on his mind, and the disciples didn't know what Jesus was going for. Jesus was tired. He was preaching a long day to the multitudes. And Jesus, on his mind, had a man, this man, uh, Maniac of Gadara. I think sometimes we miss that when we read. And I want you to look at that. It says, and there were also little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, speaking of Jesus, to sleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? In another gospel, you see the word master twice. They say, Master, Master. They're really feeling the sense of urgency. They felt like they were going to die. Anybody ever feel like that? I mean, you're just, I mean, you know you're not going to, but you feel like it. I mean, you feel like I am going to die if I don't get this. Uh, McDonald's meal. No, I'm just kidding. If I don't, you know, if I'm going to die, I just ever hear something I tell my kids. They say, Dad, I'm starving. I say, No, you're not. You're not starving. <laughs> you're not starving. I'm not starving. All right. You're not starving. You say, Well, you know, it's almost that time. Hurry up, preacher. All right. Lunchtime. And uh, he was in the hinder part of the ship. They said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Well, I mean, the answer to that is because there was a great storm and the water was filling their boat and they felt like they were going to die. I mean, that's why they were so fearful. Jesus was trying to identify something that was in them. It was a lack of faith. He said, How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea Obey him. Father, we pray this morning, God, as we open up your word, that you'd help us to have a sense of gratitude, the fact that we even hold that today. We are not worthy of your word, but you have seen fit to bless us, God, in our country with an abundance of the word of God. In places and countries, God, where the word is pushed out and it's, uh, it's made uh, against the law to have the word of God, we stand here freely opening, worshiping, listening to, reading, holding, experiencing the word of God. We have had that blessing for many years as a country. God, I pray that we have not taken it for granted. Lord, as we open up the precious and wonderful Word of God, with gratitude in our hearts, may we be thankful not only that we have the Word of God, but we have a Holy Spirit inside us as Christians, as a church, that gives us understanding, that leads us and guides us into all truth, that we would not take for granted the person of the Holy Spirit that is in us as Christians. We'd not take for granted the reason why we have that Spirit, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross, 
gave us pardon full and free, took all of our sin and the wrath of God in his body on himself, the wrath that I deserve, the wrath that you deserve, so that we could have eternal life. And this life is in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd help us to be thankful today. In Jesus' name we pray, with thanksgiving in our hearts. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I understand, and maybe with you, this is an odd place to find thankfulness, but I think uh, there's something that just kind of jumped off the page in thinking about this to me today. The enemy of gratitude, the enemy of being thankful, is taking things for granted, is it not? When we feel entitled that we deserve to have something, we deserve to have the blessing that we have, or we almost the object of our gratitude to where we feel in ourselves that, We're thankful for what we did, if you would. I'm thankful for the money I made. I'm thankful for the job I created for myself. I'm thankful that I pulled uh, pulled myself up by my bootstraps. We think, in a sense, that I don't have anyone to say thank you to because I really did it all myself. And boy, isn't that the enemy? Because if the object of my gratitude is me, it is no real gratitude, not a biblical gratitude. Sometimes we become so self-centered, even as Christians, that we feel like, that we're here because we deserve to be here, that we're somehow entitled to this, that we're somehow entitled to eternal life and entitled to a relationship with Christ, entitled uh, to be able to have the Word of God even in our country, in America, where we're free. We've been spoiled, and sometimes we can behave like spoiled brats. We can even feel entitled to the things that we have that God has blessed us with. We know the Word of God. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. It comes from God. We know that the blessings of life come from God. But even as we sit here in church, even in our minds, and we listen to the Word of God, and we hear messages like this, we still in our minds, something in us, in our nature, is saying, yeah, preacher, I'm hearing you, but you don't know how good I am, or how much I've done, or, you know, how much I've earned the things that I have, and I should feel grateful to myself, in a sense, for the things that I have. But sometimes, God brings storms into our lives to show us what we take for granted. To show us that even though we have the presence of God, we've taken it for granted. That even though we have the person of Jesus Christ, we take it for granted. Even though we have these things that we take for granted, His power. That the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In other words, I understand that as a Christian, although I try to do things and live this Christian life, that I cannot do so apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me this morning? Boy, we try to sometimes. We call that burnout in the Christian life. Burnout is really when I try to do things in my flesh, and I don't do things and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit because the Bible talks about resting in the Lord, that we have a renewing, that the inner man is renewed day by day. Isn't that what the Bible says? How are we renewed day by day? By the Holy Spirit. But they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Life is hard, isn't it? And doesn't it just wear you out? I mean, how many this morning? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're wore out because of life. I mean, life has that innate ability to just wear us out. The day in, the day in, we call it grind, the daily grind. Why? Because it just can wear on us and wear us out, and we get tired, and sometimes we get tired even doing the things of the Lord. We had a busy weekend this week. We had a busy week this week. Uh, If I'm just being honest, I've had a busy uh, last three months, (laughs) and I can feel just tired. I'm looking forward to this week on Wednesday, first time in eight years, uh, my uh, brother and sister and I will be together with our 
uh, with our kids, my nieces and nephews, and my parents, and we're going to get together this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and we're going to head back on Friday, but I'm looking forward to just having some time just to get away and rest a little bit. And I'm thankful for the ministry, but sometimes we just wore out from life. And I really think it has a lot to do with what we take for granted. I mean, think about this just for a minute. Do circumstances determine gratitude? Do cir- and, I mean, does God ever say in his word, be thankful when the circumstances dictate thankfulness? He doesn't say that. I mean, as much as we see about thankfulness, it comes by the Holy Spirit through the life of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. When we say this is the will of God, and it talks about being thankful, giving thanks always for all things. I mean, we think about that, and we say, well, how can I be thankful? I mean, think about this for a second. The disciples, they're doing the work of God. I mean, they had spent time with Jesus. They're there. The multitudes are there. No doubt they're ministering. And they're working, Jesus was preaching, but come on, I understand this morning, although that I'm the one that's giving the message that many people in the building today have worked and labored so that the building was ready, so that the auditorium was ready, so that the classes were taught, so that uh, the uh, bulletins were folded, so that things were done in preparation so that we could have a service today. People are serving, people are laboring, you see that, right? I mean, it takes a church to have a service. I mean, we've got to work together, and the disciples are doing that. And they get in this boat, and Jesus, no doubt because he's weary, goes to the back of the boat, the stern of the ship, and he lays down. He puts his head. I don't know if there was a pillow there. It was just a place where someone could lay down. And Jesus laid down, and the Bible says he went to sleep. And I I believe because Jesus is 100% man, he went to sleep because he's tired. Isn't that why you go to sleep when I'm preaching? (laughs) Because you're tired. You say, come on, this is a good time. You know, it's nice and warm and cozy. I'm close to people. You put me on a padded pew. I mean, you set me up, Pastor. I remember we didn't have padded pews. Remember I had the pews that weren't, and you almost could fall. You couldn't fall asleep in those things. You'd be like Eutychus. you fall out at night, hit your head, and kill yourself. I mean, all kinds of crazy. But here we are. I mean, we have, I mean, can you imagine... There's people in countries that are worshiping God in church, and they walk to church, and they have open-air services, and they don't have what we have. And we're sitting on a cushion today. We rode in on our heated seats, you know? And, some t- and then you try to talk. To- Come on. You talk to that crowd about being thankful. I mean, sometimes it's really difficult to talk to people about thankfulness when they have so much. And then we kind of boil those things down into needs, don't we? Well, I need to have a heated seat. Don't you know? I need to have these things. I need to have all the technology. I need to have... We think about things as needs, don't we? Things that are not even needs. And, and so sometimes when we lose those things and God's trying to get our attention, we lose comfort. Those disciples were on the calm sea. It was comfortable. Maybe they were looking forward to getting a little rest themselves as they traveled from one side to the other to wherever Jesus was leading them next. And I dare say they believed and knew that wherever Jesus was taking them, they were going to have to serve again. They were going to have to labor again. And maybe they were looking forward to a little rest, a little relaxation, maybe just a little solace from the multitude. And yet, at that same time that God felt the need to remind them of their ingratitude, or what they had taken for granted. They're in the ship. The storms come out of nowhere. The winds blow. The Bible says that the waves, I mean, uh, Galilee, that is a place where the mountains are high, the valleys are low. On the other side, it's it's almost optimum for storms kind of coming up in the middle of nowhere. And it happens. They're a squall. The waves start to overtake the ship, the Bible says, so that it fills the boat. 
and Jesus is sleeping. Come on, you ever in the middle of a storm and think God is sleeping? You ever in the middle of a problem and think, God, are you paying attention? Do you know what's going on to me right now? I mean, do you know where I'm at and what I'm going through? And you feel like God's asleep and you're going through a, a, a trial. You're going through a tribulation. Does God even know? Does God even see? Does God even hear? God knows. He understands. He sees everything. And by the way, Jesus is in the boat. And he wasn't that he was unaware of the storm. Is that he was trying to teach them something. He was trying to reveal them something. And what he was trying to reveal to them, we see in the scripture, he was trying to reveal to them the fact that they lacked faith. They lacked faith. Wasn't Jesus about to do a great miracle in the life of someone that they were going to require, it was going to require faith on their part? If I remind you of something, there was a time where the disciples tried to cast out a devil from a young boy and could not, the Bible says. And Jesus said to them, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. He was trying to teach them something. They didn't have the faith. They lacked the power to be able to cast out those de- that devil and demons. And here they were going to need faith because Jesus is about to go head to head with the legion. They were going to need this lesson, this lesson of faith. You know, sometimes I think we're going, the Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. Sometimes we really think it's strange when we have problems. But we have problems because life is full of problems. And God says, don't think it's strange when you go through something hard because in the life of a Christian, a trial is a test. It's a, it's a way of showing us, revealing to us where we have failures, where we have weaknesses. God's not trying to exploit those weaknesses. He's trying to strengthen them. He's trying to show us where we have weakness and where he wants to strengthen us so that we're prepared for something greater than what we're going through. See, there was going to come a time where the disciples were going to go through something a lot greater than being in a storm on a ship. There was going to come a time where they were going to need such great faith that even though they couldn't see Jesus physically speaking, they were going to be able to stand and have confidence and have courage in a God that never leaves them nor forsakes them. And they needed to realize that in the ship when Jesus was present. And they said, come on, just like you and I do, Master, Master, what are you doing? Wake up. We perish. I mean, we're going to die. I mean, you you don't know what I'm going through right now, God. You say, I'm supposed to be thankful. I'm supposed to be grateful. You talk about that, Pastor, but you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the trials and tribulations and the struggles that I'm facing. And and week after week, I hear what you're saying, and I know what God's Word says, but sometimes it's hard in my flesh and your flesh just to say thank you, isn't it? When we feel like we have nothing to say thank you for. When our eyes are on something other than Jesus... When we feel like we're a little lost in life, maybe you feel like that today, in the week of Thanksgiving. You feel like, boy, this is just a, this is just a, a time where, I mean, for me, it's focused on broken family. It's focused on emptiness. It's focused on loneliness. You know, some of you that may have a family today, and you may have a Christian home, and you may have everything that... Don't take that for granted because you know there's people in front of you, behind you, next to you, beside you, and in this town and community that don't have a family like you have. And where everything might be all picture-perfect American dream in your life, it's not like that for them. Boy, sometimes our bubble gets burst, doesn't it? And the disciples were there, and they say, Master, we uh, Paris, I think there was three things the disciples took for granted that revealed their ingratitude. Number one, I believe they took for granted his presence. They took for granted his presence. Jesus said this on more than one occasion to the disciples. He said, how long have I been with you? How long... Have I been with you? 
I mean, how long has it been? I mean, I've been with you long enough for you to see that I have power over these things. I've been with you long enough for you to know, Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you know who I am. You know who I am. I mean, on the mountain, they saw him transfigured. I mean, they knew who he was, but at the same time, they took for granted the presence of God. How many times do you and I take for granted the presence of God? You're in the storm. I get it. You're in the trial. I get it. You're having a struggle. I get it. But God is with you. He is with you. And there's something about that, Christian, you need to acknowledge. You say, well, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. Well, here's the thing. God can be with you. And by the way, he knows you. He knows where you're at. And you know what? I believe he's allowing a storm in your life for, a trial, a tribulation in your life for, because he wants you to come to him, because he's searching for you. He's seeking for you. He wants to use what's going on in your life right now to bring you to himself. Don't get mad at God. Don't get angry at God. He loves you with an everlasting love. Don't take for granted his presence. How many times have we sat even in a church service and taken for granted his presence? The fact that he's here, that he has promised to uh, be so by, uh, through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, I understand spiritually he's here. Let's not forget the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. It's not just, it's not just a, it took a person to replace a person. I mean, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, he's not just gas in the gas tank. He's a driver in the seat of your life. You understand that, the Holy Spirit of God. He's not just a battery we plug in. He's not just a power. He's a person. He's a person that points to Jesus. He speaks not of himself, but he speaks of Jesus Christ. He's the comforter. And sometimes, boy, we take for granted that comfort that he wants to provide to us, Christian, doesn't he? In the storm, he wants to comfort. But they took for granted the presence of God. Don't take for granted his presence. You know, the Bible says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we have his presence. By the way, Jesus, for 33 and a half years, and after he, before he ascended, after he rose, there was a time period there, and Jesus walked on the earth, and he talked with people, touched people. We have not a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The Bible says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even of them that believe on his name. You feel like a reject today, or an outcast, or someone who no one has received? Jesus knows what it feels like to be an outcast. Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected. Some people, even today, when they're presented with the truth of who Jesus Christ is, God, we still reject him. We still reject him. I don't need him. I don't need that. I don't need religion. I don't need all that stuff. By the way, what I'm offering to you is not a religion today. I'm offering you a relationship with a real person who died for you and loves you. Forget about the religious stuff that you have in your mind. I I said this week to several people, I understand when people come in, listen, I've got to break down the wall. When they come into church, they automatically feel like they're in a room full of hypocrites. He knows that, that I think that. Yeah, I do. Because I've thought that. And then I looked at myself and said, boy, I'm one of them. You know, sometimes that's what we know about people when they come. The other thing they think is just because, because I carry the title pastor that automatically I'm after their wallet. That's all he cares about. That's all he cares about. I mean, that's all he wants. I'm just telling the truth today. That's why people, that's all, that's it, that's all, that's all. You know why people judge that way? 
Number one, because that's all they're focused on. And we focus on in people what we're focused on ourselves. And we judge other people by our own paradigm and background. And what we focus on, we tend to draw out of other people. Because if we can put our shortcomings on someone else, we feel better about ourselves, don't we? We, we tend to do that. And understand that with people, but here's the thing. I'm not trying to point you to my personality this morning or my presence. I'm trying to point you to another presence that you really need to look at today. It is the presence of Jesus Christ. It is him that you need to look at. If you look at me, if you examine me under the microscope, guess what you're going to find? That I'm not perfect, that I make mistakes, that I'm just a man, just like you are. Well, some of you are. Some of you are women, right? All right? And, uh, you know, and I'm not a woman just like you are. Trust me, all right? But, you know, so, you know we're, we're, we, we think, you know, if you examine me under a microscope, if you're looking for flaws, I could give you a list. I've got lots of them. I know that. I get it. And even as I speak, I understand, you know, some people sit there and they like to analyze the preacher while he talks, lean over and say, oh, he didn't say that right. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Oh, he didn't exegete that properly. Well, happy that you know how to do it better than I do. What I'm saying, you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the wrong thing. Not my presence, his presence. His presence. The presence of, a, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, it wasn't Peter that was going to calm the winds and the waves. It wasn't anybody else in the boat that could save them. When they got in trouble, they woke Jesus up. They knew he was there. And sometimes isn't it funny that they wouldn't even acknowledge his presence except they got in trouble. They would have never cried out, Master, Master, except the storm would have came. They would have never turned to him. They would have never focused on him or even looked at him if they weren't in trouble. That is our nature, though, isn't it? Sometimes we need distress and we need trouble so that we learn to look at him, that we learn to not take for granted his presence. The second thing I believe that they took for granted was his power. Was his power. You say, what do you mean? You notice when they cried out, they said, We perish. They were not concerned at all about Jesus perishing. They, they said, Weep. don't you know, Lord, that we're going to die? They didn't say, you're going to die. Or, we're all going to That we're talking about, they said us. They were focused on themselves, not the, not the person of the Lord. They were not focused on his power or ability. But boy, they learned something real quick, that Christ had power, didn't they? When Jesus stepped up on the bow of the boat, he said, peace, be still. Now, we know peace does not always come in the manner that Jesus gave it that day physically. Sometimes people think that whenever we cry out to God, that means God's going to step up in the bow of the boat of our life and command every problem that we have to go away. And if God doesn't do that, then that's not the God that I want. Sometimes God gives us peace in the midst of the storm, and we understand that peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. Peace is not everything in my life circumstantially being right, Peace is knowing Christ in the midst of the storm and knowing that it can be okay because he's with me, because I have his presence, and he has power over what I'm going through. That he has not left me alone. That he has not left me comfortless. That he has not left me without escape. But he's with me today. You with me? You understand what I'm saying to you? It's that his power is able to go bring you through whatever you're going through right now. Now, I understand it's not by my might, nor by my power, but by his spirit. And the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, 
If you're lost today, you don't know Christ, and you've never made a decision to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to allow Him to save you from your sin. If you've never put that personal faith, the faith that you have, you stop trusting in yourself and your works, and you put it on the object, the person of Jesus Christ, and say, I'm going to trust Him because trusting me is not getting me anywhere, but trusting Him. And you decide, if you've never made that decision, you know what? You need to do that today. The Bible says if you die in your sin, you'll go to hell. As I listened to the message preached yesterday to the young men that were present, I listened to one boy behind me as uh, the presentation was given that without Christ, we die and go to a godless place called hell. He sat behind me, and I listened to him say, I need to get to God. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Nobody does. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to talk about it. Just don't, just don't talk to me about it. Just don't present it with me. Just don't tell me the truth. I'd rather live a lie in the fantasy world that if I just kind of, we know we're going to die. It happens to people around us, young people, old people. We know we're fragile. We know we're frail. People die every day. Young people die. Old people die. We know somewhere there's going to be an end. We just don't want to be presented with the factual things that happen after we die. And we try to live in the fantasy world Hollywood's created and the world that we live in is created that we think that somehow we're just going to continue to float around in this world. You have a life, and you only have one. You only have one. You have a soul. It's eternal. It's not going to die. It's going to spend eternity in one or two places, heaven or hell. And by the way, Jesus made a way so that you can get to heaven. And it's by his power that he saves us. By the way, he has authority and power to do so. And can I say something to you today? Jesus has lost none of his power. It hasn't dissipated it hasn't run thin. It hasn't run dry. I don't care what culture, what society, how dark it gets. It doesn't matter what's pervasive in the world today. Jesus Christ still comes to seek and to save that which is lost. I believe in the power of Jesus Christ to save. It is the reason why I'm preaching this morning, because I believe in his power, not mine. I could not stand on the boat and calm, uh, calm the winds and the waves, and I could not enter into your life and by my touch and my hand cause the problems in your life to cease. But I tell you, if Jesus enters in, you can have peace, friend. You can have peace. You can have satisfaction in knowing that when you die, you're on your way to heaven. His presence, his power. And lastly, I believe there's something they took for granted, his person. It's an easy thing. You could have alliterated the sermon this morning, I'm sure, just by the text. His person, who Jesus is. Can I tell you, we sang that first song. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. We sang our great Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I mean, isn't he awesome? Saving, loving, helping, keeping. Jesus is awesome. He is. We have an awesome God. The Lord Jesus Christ came. He came so that we could know him. The person of Jesus Christ was necessary because Jesus had to take on the robe, the skin, the humility of human flesh and come to this world so that he might die. That's why he came. He came born to die. He came with the purpose. The Bible says he set his face like a flint to the cross. He came so that he could die so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know what I know? He called me to repentance because I was a sinner, not because I was righteous. Because I was a sinner. Because I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And so were you, friend. 
And maybe you sit that in that condition. You say, don't tell me a sinner. I, I'm a sinner. I already know that I am. Listen, I know I'm not telling you any new, good new, new news. I know you already know the news. You already are a sinner. You know that. It's the truth. But in the midst of today with the prosperity, health, and wealth crowd and gospel that we're hearing preached today, that, you know, you come to Jesus and Jesus will make your life healthy and wealthy, that's not the message of the Bible. It's not the message of the Bible. Jesus didn't come to make me healthy and wealthy. Jesus came in his person to make me right with God, to give me a right standing spiritually with God. That doesn't mean that in my life I'm never going to have tribulation. It doesn't mean that if I do, I'm some kind of rotten Christian. It means that sometimes trials, sometimes tribulations enter in, and God's trying to reveal to us a lack of faith. And maybe you sit here this morning and say, I'm trusting in so many things, and I've been hurt so many times because I put my faith in a person, I put my faith in all these different programs, and I even put my faith in religion and churches and all these things. And I thought they were, when I was young, they taught me all this stuff about religion, and I went through all the motions, and I did it all, and I've seen it all, and I've experienced it all, and it's never worked for me. And I say to you, you have not tried Jesus Christ, not the Jesus of the Bible, because Jesus works Jesus saves. Jesus is able to save. I believe that today. I believe that. Because I believe in the person of Jesus Christ. I believe in who he is. I believe that in the beginning was the word, Jesus Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same that was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And the darkness still fails to comprehend him. Comprehend who he is, why he came. And in the world, boy, everybody's a skeptic. They like to tell us what religion's about, what church is all about, and we believe it all. And by the way, I'm sorry this morning that you got hurt somewhere along the way because someone told you a lie. But don't reject the truth because you've heard a lie before. The truth is able to make you free from all of that, friend, and make you free from all the garbage that life has loaded on you and the burden of sin that you bear on your back today and all the problems that you're going through that are keeping you from seeing God. In the beginning, God took two people who were perfect in a perfect world, placed them in that place, And the devil came and took two people that understood the blessings of God and made them feel like they were victims, didn't he? And we live in a world where people think they've been victimized by God, that God is playing games with them, that God is moving them like pieces on on, on a chessboard, and he's playing games with them. God is not a con man. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's duped people into believing that God is playing games with them. God did not come to play games. He came with a, with, a, with a determination to die on the cross, to shed his blood. He was the only one that could pay the price. Only one. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And He died for you and for me. It'd be sad that if we knew that truth, we died and went to a devil's hell because we did not receive that truth. Because we took for granted his presence. You see, there's something today that maybe you're taking for granted. You're taking for granted the fact that he's here and he knows you. He knows your heart. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your name. He knew you before you were formed in the womb. He knows you and he loves you with an everlasting love and has a purpose for you. And he sent his son so that you could have life. You're taking that for granted today if you reject Christ. Don't take for granted his person. Don't take for granted his power. 
is power to save. What manner of man is this, they said, that even the winds and the waves obey him? Of course they obeyed him. He spoke them into existence. They knew his voice. It was that same voice that spoke the winds and waves into existence. And Jesus said, peace be still. Jesus knows your problem today. He knows your circumstance. He knows your condition. And he loves you and wants to save you from your sin. That's what the Bible says. And Christian, have you taken that for granted, that fact, that knowledge, the person of Jesus Christ? Come on. Do we have much to be thankful for? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder if we truly came in, entered to his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise, or we just came in and had a church service today, because that's how we know what to do. I'm thankful for all that's happened so far. But I'm saying it's all for naught if we hear the truth, we reject it, we leave the same way that we came in because we're too proud to admit that we need him. With head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.